Well, 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 who saw that coming? Uh, I, for one, certainly didn't. Norwich City recorded a much-needed 3-2 win over Cardiff in South Wales on Saturday, just to maybe ease the pressure and lift the mood ever so slightly as we head into what is uh, an international break of change for the Canaries. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. I'm your host, Connor Southwell, joined by Samuel Seaman and Paddy Davitt to reflect on uh, the events, not just in uh, in Cardiff, but also um, of what has been a pretty hectic week for Norwich City. Um, Sam, let's let's start with you. A three-two victory. I mean, park everything else and the context, and we'll obviously get into wider discussions about David Wagner and Ben Napper and Stuart Webber. But purely in this on this game in isolation, um, much needed. I think relief is probably the, the the word that I would use after after that. Gives you reflections on 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 the day that was in the Welsh capital. Yeah, I felt really pleased for those fans that travelled um, because as much as in the long term, and we'll obviously get onto this, but in the long term it felt a bit like kicking the can down the road and it didn't really feel like too many of the problems were solved or that this was a, a platform from which Norwich could complete a, a sort of 180 um, turnaround. You just think about the amount of money and time that they've spent um, to be at that ground and then um, I went round to, to speak to some of them after the game and to see that that joy coming out of the away end, it's not something I've seen or that they've seen um, for a long while now. So I think those very dedica- dedicated uh, fans have have deserved that for a long while and um, it's almost I've almost forgotten what it's like to, to see a Norwich win as of they let alone an away win. I think this was the first one since the 29th of August in the Carabao Cup. So, yeah, I'm delighted for them, uh, for the reasons I sort of already spoke about. I don't feel especially jubilant about the long-term picture just to, as a result of that one performance. But I think there were definitely good things in there, although there were the signs of the problems that we've seen um, at times in the last few months. I think if that performance came in the middle of a a good run, then probably we wouldn't really have been picking up on those negatives. I think it was probably a, a fairly decent um, championship performance against the average. And this is Cardiff's first uh, loss at home since the middle of August. So yeah, a, a, a significant win for Norwich in the short term uh, probably gives both David Wagner and Ben Napper a little bit of time um, over the international break and in the the weeks following that to sort of assess things and and try and turn things around as they are right now. Admittedly, I don't think there's a great deal of good grace towards Wagner just from that one result. But, um, you know, although Norwich have done it before, it is difficult to dismiss a head coach after a victory and it doesn't look like that's that's going to happen, or at least to me, it doesn't feel like that's going to happen. So for David Wagner, um, principally, it's it's a significant win. And obviously, we'll come on to the problems and, and why it maybe doesn't feel absolutely perfect after that. But uh, that moment, or those couple of moments late on in the game, are why being a football fan is as enjoyable as it is at times. And um, yeah, I was delighted for those travelling fans. And it's the it's the manner of the victory, isn't it, Paddy? That, that was something as well. Two on behind. We, we've seen this team in recent weeks not go under. That's the wrong term, but certainly not have the quality or the ingredients or the minerals to be able to to respond to adversity in that way. Two one down with ten minutes to go. They they end up as as, as three two winners. It was a 
a real gear change, a, a difference that we've seen. So I guess the obvious question that, that people are asking is, can this now be the catalyst for, for some sort of, maybe I'll use the word, uh, stable can, can they can they stabilize off, off the back of this result is it something that can help them achieve a bit more consistency because just as as losing creates a, a real momentum so so can winning what, what are your reflections on, on on maybe the direction of travel after this win is it probably not helped by the fact they have a two-week break in in truth no although um and to, it flows into can this be the start of something david was quite clear when delivering a little bit of bad news, setback on Grant Hanley's fitness return, probably another three or four weeks down the track. But he did also then soften that by saying he expected Angus Gunn and uh, and even Ashley Barnes to be available for potentially when we resume now, which is, I think it's November the 25th, QPR at home, Ben Nappis' first official game in charge. So I think in the context of a line in the sand on the pitch and and some of those key players, and, and I think we're all of the same opinion, uh, this sort of narrative, particularly last week, which was very strong, that it's almost, well, what do you expect with the injury crisis? I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but there's no doubt if you can, David Wagner, add Angus Gunn and add Ashley Barnes to this mix, that should make them more competitive and better and stronger. And um, and if they follow up, obviously, what they did against Cardiff in terms of result um, by beating QPR, then... It rolls on swiftly to Watford. Then I think the following midweek. Um, then yes, it possibly does feel that this is at least the start of a more positive cycle. But to, to take Sam's point, you know, for eighty-one minutes, that was more of the same really on Saturday against Cardiff. And uh, for me, for a team who hadn't lost at home since August the twelfth, I found them a very subdued very anemic performance from Cardiff from start to finish. I mean, they almost clicked through the gears for a four-minute period there to, 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 to from being in a position where they were behind to Christian Fastnet's goal to put themselves in front at half-time. But then start the second half again, I thought, you know, the way they wanted to play it was just sit, sit deep and invite Norwich on and then obviously counter, which they did to, to very good effect for the two goals. But, but it almost invited Norwich forward and, and invited Norwich to dictate how that second half panned out. And, um, you know, Errol Bullant, the, the manager, very unhappy with the the limited impact, to put it mildly, they got from his substitutions. Conversely, uh, capped by Adam Eder, finishing off that, you know, the strike from John Rowe that was pushed out. Um, he, he definitely did get a tune out of his substitutions on El Hernandez, pepped it up as well, I thought. Um, and the two fullbacks as well, um, you know, Stacey and, and Yanoulis particularly, who was excellent in that second half and a key figure in, in the winning goal. So maybe that's where this game was ultimately decided, that Norwich's introductions impacted the game in a positive fashion. Cardiff's didn't. And, and obviously Ryan Wintle, unfortunately, one of the substitutions with Cardiff was the boy who diverted Fashnak's cross over his own goal line to, to draw Norwich level around about the 82nd minute. So, yeah, for me, it's good to be talking about a positive because it, it felt like too long. And those fans particularly deserve that as well. So do the players. And you could see, you know, as much as rightly, they've been dug out. Um, for what they haven't done. You could see what it meant to them. You know, Paul Chester and our photographer extraordinaire was in a fantastic position to capture the, the raw emotion on the faces. And there's some great pictures that he's produced, uh, which we've used on our content in the last sort of 24 hours or so. You know, they, they, they care. This matters to them. You know, this this is their livelihoods and they, they don't want to 
be embarrassing themselves to, to put it as strong as that as they have done on this sort of downward descent. And David Wagner and his coaches as well. You know, none of them are, are in this to go through the motions and because it's on them as individuals, it reflects on them as much as it does their team, their teammates. So good for them on a human level. Um, we'll get into the Stuart Weber dimension as well, but I think on a human level, you'd be very churlish to, not to to afford him those moments that he had at the final whistle as he bowed out. Uh, but let's not get carried away. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's they've stopped the rot. But is this a final flourish in terms of Wagner and, and his his sort of tenure, or you know, is it the start of something more tangible, allied to the hope that the likes of Gunn and Barnes in the shorter term, and then Sergeant in in hopefully not much longer down the track, and Hanley now as well. That okay, yep, yeah, there is something there that under this head coach um, and under a new sporting director can be sustainable for whatever happens between now and the end of this season, which um, you know still has plenty of water to flow under that particular bridge. So, yeah, it's it's just nice to you know for everybody concerned with with Norwich that um, you know we can reflect on a, a positive because uh, it's been pretty miserable for the last however many weeks, months. And, um, you know, that's not what football should be about. If you're a supporter, if you're a player, if you're a coach, us in the media following Norwich, it shouldn't just be about shoveling uh, more misery and more dejection. And, uh, you know, talking to Paul Chester, and we we label him internally as the king of the dejection picture because he gets a lot of practice, unfortunately, following Norwich, certainly under David Wagner. Um, so, yeah, so even for him, even for the photographer, nice to have some positive pictures to share with everybody so yeah good good weekend but you know we all we all know because we saw it in the previous 81 minutes a lot of the same criticisms were still valid and um you know it's going to take more than a, a two minute turnaround for me um to feel that uh you know under this direction of travel with this head coach that uh, everything's okay now yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get to the wider context of it in a moment um and you know have have those conversations but particularly around david wagner with we've obviously the the, the ben napper news that emerged uh, after we we recorded last week um but but it, 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 it is right as sam as well i mean we we've, we've done these pods for goodness me however long since they last won a game but but even even before that really and it's it's been quite hard particularly in recent weeks particularly in the run of four defeats on on the spin and uh, the nature of their performances and and the waving of the white flag often to to let teams through it's it's been very very hard to find any sort of positive anything remotely positive to talk about so it I can imagine no fans maybe even feel slightly bizarre waking up on this Sunday morning having a a win to get their teeth into but just to have particularly ahead of a two week break as well to have that feeling is 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 so good again to be able to talk about positives rather than having to completely comb through negatives and, and, and situations and and whatnot is um is is really nice yeah and i think it it gives a slightly different tone to the conversations that will be had over this break i think it's a a good point to make that now there are two weeks and in the same way that if it had been a a defeat at the end of a positive run, you don't want to spend the break mulling over the negatives from what has overwhelmingly been a positive period. After such a negative period, I think it really does go in David Wagner's favour that the most recent thing fans have to talk about and those associated to the club have to talk about is quite a, a big a big win with some quite significant moments and all of a sudden 
those sort of injury issues that Paddy spoke about and the players coming back feels quite a lot bigger. I feel like the the likes of Barnes and Gunn coming back, had they gone into the break with another defeat, would have been sidelined really and, and people would have focused on why that won't change things. Whereas now it almost feels like, okay, there is still a level of negativity and a recognition that things need to change and that things aren't perfect. But I think people will be looking at the positive bits like that injury news and and being more open to how that might change things in a good way um, rather than just being dism- dismissive of things as might have been um, the sort of natural reaction after another defeat. So it does bring back a level of positivity that I think everyone's missed around the football club. And to be fair, if you look at David Wagner's record, it feels like it, it could go on and, and be a springboard. As much as on the pitch, the signs haven't really been there and the weaknesses were still there in South Wales. Um, you look at his career and it has been really streaky. So, you know, I think we have to look at it in that way and, and frame it as, OK, if we're going to criticise him for going on these negative runs of, you know, one win in 10, it was one win in 11 last season, then perhaps this is a turning point where they go on and, and win a, a few games in a row or go on a, an unbeaten run. And I'm not saying that is my personal view, but if we're going to take a balanced look at it and look at his his sort of history, that is what Norwich have done under him and what other teams have done under him. They went on a really on a, a pretty positive run when he came in, really negative one after that, and then another positive one at the start of this season. So hopefully this is the start of another one of those. I think there is, on a personal level, um, quite a fondness from the Norwich City fan base towards David Wagner. The way that this is felt has been completely uh, completely different to Dean Smith's tenure. There didn't seem to, me as much, seem to be as much consideration for the person that Smith was and the personal side of it when he went, as there is for Wagner and all of the discussions, I think, even the ones saying that he still should go have been saying that you know, he deserves to to leave on a positive note. So I think there probably is a, a willingness for him to succeed that maybe Smith hadn't hadn't earned from a, a sort of uh, a point of view of connecting with the fans. I think Wagner has connected with the fans enough that they would like to see him succeed. I think there's still a scepticism over whether he'll he'll be able to do that. But that positive feeling is definitely back in and around the fan base and, and in and around the club. And um, I think that does help them quite a lot. And, you know, Paddy referenced the fact that you could see the the emotion on the, the players' faces and the, the amount that they cared. And I think fans probably needed a reminder of that because they ha- there have been quite a few, a few flat performances and there have been a few performances, to be honest, where the players' attitudes and mindset would be questionable. I spoke to a lot of them before the game and... I think most of them really were questioning whether the players' hearts were really in it. And then you see the emotion on Adam Eder and Ono Hernandez and Jonathan Rowe as they go to celebrate with that away end um, after that winning goal. And I think you could really see, and it was quite a significant reminder of the fact that, that they do care, that this is important to the people in the club. And although they haven't been able to do it, in recent months, and they still might not, might not have the tools, to be honest, to go and do it for a sustained period. It's not for a lack of trying and a lack of 
wanting to do it. So I think there were a few reminders that will have helped David Wagner going into this break. As I said, sort of in my initial initial summary of the game, I think it buys him some time and everyone recognised, even if that wasn't really what they wanted, that this probably does buy, buy Wagner some time. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be very happy with that. He'll be happy with the, the players that he's got coming back and just overall... Maybe not totally there in the way that we have been after some victories this season, but definitely a feeling that there is some more positivity around the club. Yeah, indeed, and and I think it's it's, it's right to mention those those players that are coming back. Actually, you know, and and I think David Wagner has used the word injury crisis on a on a on a couple of occasions. Um, there was actually I don't have it to hand, but there's a very um, well produced graphic in in Cardiff's program that that kind of showed the various squad depth, and um, that was that was quite revealing, really, in, in kind of shows aptly that is is not really a, a crisis you've still got players playing in natural positions I can understand why he is presenting it in that way and he's a head coach under pressure so I, I think it's natural for, for it to be something that he can use um I'm just not sure when, when you deconstruct it not that we really want to have this conversation now but I've, I've down I'm down the rabbit hole so I might as well continue it but Angus Gunn has, has missed what four four and a half games so he's been involved in this run Ben Gibson's missed a couple Duffy was only suspended for for yesterday both of the fullbacks have have been available both of the starting midfielders have been available the wingers by and large have been available with Borja Science thrown into the mix compared to obviously the run that they went on at the start of the season the striking situation is the striking situation, but they've they've still got two available and two natural strikers there. Uh, one of which in Adamida, who um, really did make a real positive impact when he when he came on. Um, and 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 the other player I wanted to mention, Paddy, is is Danny Bart. The first start that that he had for Norwich City, he's he's um, he's maybe grown in stature with every game that he hasn't featured in. Um, I, I jokingly referred to him as Paolo Maldini yesterday. It kind of feels like the the kind of uh, character that he's he's encompassed because uh, he's kind of got better with, with every game that's that's passed, and that's that's natural. It happens to 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 every player when uh, when teams aren't doing well and certain players aren't getting picked. Um, you know, you could argue we haven't seen enough Borja science, but you could argue that. That's happens with him as well, um, but this this was a really good performance, wasn't it? From someone who is vastly experienced at the level, Sunderland's player of the season last year, really good CV and pedigree, lots of appearances at at this level, and I think all of his uh, experience counted. There were there were points. Obviously, first half was a struggle for for particularly the the two Norwich City fullbacks, but in the second half, he really marshaled that that Norwich City back line. Really had a, had a real presence about about him and. Um, there were some moments when when Cardiff got in behind and wanted to to play on the ground where he looked a little bit shaky. But certainly in terms of airily, he was he was dominating. He was competitive. He was commanding. It was um, a really composed performance. I thought, and, and it is worth underlining. You know what was he dropped into? Callum Fisher, teenage right back, second championship start in his life. Other side, Poeta, not a left back. Not unfortunately, left back. Under, underlined it yesterday, or to be to be. Less harsh to him, learning his trade as a left back, but essentially that's his two fullbacks. And then alongside him, Jaden Warner, second only career start, the first one the previous weekend. Um, how 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 tough a hand do you want to be dealt if you're Danny Bart, as well as the primary aim, which was to focus on your own performance, given you haven't had an opportunity first start for him in an orange shirt in the championship. So, uh, given that context. Yeah, no, he he stepped forward in a big way, I thought, and and particularly the phase when 
you know, that last 10, 15 minutes. Can you really realistically remember when Norwich got their noses in front? Um, I'm adding, adding on the stoppage time to that. Um, they didn't really look like they were going to cut through. And, you know, we were a long way away from that side of the pitch, but I'm pretty sure how Danny Bart operates, he would have been verbally cajoling and haranguing a, a backline, which by that stage included Kenny McLean, to be fair. But three um, changes. I think that's that's worth remembering. They, they started with three different yeah, then, members yeah. of that back four. So what he'd started with, it's, it's incredible, really. But he would have been the leader, is what I'm saying. He would have been defensively yeah. the leader in that period. And the, by dint of the fact that Cardiff, it wasn't an Alamo job. It wasn't Norwich clinging on for dear life at 3-2. Um, all of that, you know, tells you what an impressive performance it was in terms of bringing his experience to bear, that calmness, that reassurance. And then, you know, if you just separate that out and look at his individual performance, you know, they're what they're, in both boxes, because it was him who went up for the, the corner that Sara swung in, which inadvertently led to Ryan Wintle carving that fashion that cross back over the line. That was Danny Bart. There was another occasion he forced a save from Anik with a header that I remember in the second half. There was a snapshot on the turn early in the second half. Again, nuisance value in the box. So in both areas, he made his presence felt. And, um, it, you know, it's not been wise after the event. I, I'm baffled why he has not had an opportunity before now because, frankly, Duffy and Gibson, individually and collectively, on this downward spiral, have they deserved to be retained? Not for me. Um, and even last week, you know, David was at pains to point out that how professional he had took the decision when it had been communicated to him that I'm actually going with Jaden Warner. But that would have been a kick in the teeth as well. Um, that not only can't he get past two experienced players, but now he's being, you know, put to the side and an unproven uh, academy youngster is going in ahead of him. So um, for all of those factors, um, I think he exceeded expectations. And, you know, nobody is now saying that, you know, Danny Bart is the solution and Norwich will now uh, kick on and no longer be the soft touches that they are. If you look at their goals against record, the worst in the division a horrendous statistic that needs addressing, you know, urgently the other side of the international break. But he might just be part of the solution in the shorter term. And um, and nothing that we saw in that shift at Cardiff dissuades me from the fact that you should have started before now. Yeah, dependable, reliable. It was uh, a good a good performance. But uh, I guess much like much of this this conversation, um, it, it was just one performance and it was just, just one game as well. The, the other thing I wanted to reference, Sam, Paddy touched upon it there, was... Um, was was the fullbacks and, and and David Wagner was quite bold in the way that he he started. Callum Fisher, who um, obviously made his first start in in that defeat to Sunderland uh, a few weeks ago, Shemeswaf Boeta made his his, his first start. Uh, we think in comp- competitively was that did we settle upon that pad? Yep, we did. Um, competitively as as a left back, he's come on um, off the bench there. Um, and he uh, struggled defensively, was probably fortunate not to, to give away a penalty. You look at the areas where the, both of Cardiff's goals came from. They came from from wide areas. Um, Wagner obviously made the change at, at half-time, but on but on Yanulis and, and, and Stacey, and that kind of stabilised it to an extent, probably coupled with the, the, the Cardiff substitution, taking off Josh Bowler, taking off Callum Robinson, etc. Um, but... But what what did you make of of, of how that? Because I guess there's there's two schools of thought here. You can either say, well, David Wagner got that decision wrong in terms of the way he he uh, he set up his fullbacks, but then you could also argue, well, he corrected it in in the way that he should do. You could argue that that the both things are true. So what, what did you make of the the fullback situation? Because I think particularly um, there was from sort of what I saw and what I heard, there was a lot of debate in particular around Yanulis and the decision to to leave him out. 
Yeah, I, uh, it's quite a, a difficult one in terms of where you come down on Wagner. I would say, given the the context and the pretext to those decisions, you probably do have to recognise that it was a an error on his part. There have been some really strange tactical decisions in recent weeks. The team selection has been all over the place. Um, to be honest, obviously, I do the, the tactics board video before the game where I have to predict the 11 and that's probably been uh, the most difficult area of my work in the last few weeks because you just never know what he's going to come out with and rarely in in recent times of course when you look at the results has that actually yielded anything positive so I think that to be honest was the continuation of a, a trend that is worrying quite a lot of fans at the moment he uh, he tactically doesn't really seem to know what he he wants to do and it seems at this point to be just changing various different components and hoping hoping that that's the one that that makes the impact i think you have to look at it in isolation because obviously the fullbacks both struggled in the first half but i don't think you can really criticize him for the decision on the right jack stacy has really been struggling kellen fisher did did fairly well uh, when he started against sunderland and then uh, contributed another pretty decent performance as a substitute against Blackburn. So I think that one in isolation made sense. And then at half-time, he corrected it because Fisher had been, been struggling against Carlin Grant in particular. Um, and then on the left side, I think probably that is a different case because, yes, Yunus has, has suffered uh, in recent weeks and hasn't been at his best. But yeah, defensively, even though he's had his, his retractors in that department, uh, I think Poeta looked, looked even more out of his depth. He looked completely out of position. Even though he had Wagner right on the touchline telling him what to do, he still looked like he wasn't really quite sure. And I suppose from that side of things, you're hoping that his pace can, can bail him out if he does find himself the wrong side of the man he's marking. But I thought Bowler had a, a really good first half uh technically combined with, with his his teammates really well and just just made Poeta look like somebody who wasn't comfortable at left back, which I think is is what he was. So Wagner, for me I would separate it out and say that on the right side he made the decision that most people would have made based on, on Jack Stacey and Kellen Fisher's recent performances and then rectified it to be fair to him when it didn't pan out as I think most people would would have expected it to. On the left side I would say that was where he, he made the mistake and then had to correct his own mistake uh, at half time, but yeah, that changed the game. I think that was the first thing he really spoke about when he when he broke it down when asked by Paddy uh, post match uh, yesterday. Um, and I think you can you can point to that really as the moment when the game changed. And I do think that Poeta was very very lucky not to give away a penalty in that first half, and it could have actually damaged them to the point where where the game was gone um, for Norwich, to be honest. So I suppose you have to say there was a little bit of, of luck in there as well. Uh, but overall, I'd say oh, in terms of the balance of, of Wagner's position as Norwich City head coach, uh, you're probably looking at it about 50-50 because he did make the changes required when they were needed. But I would just look at the number of half-time substitutions that have been made in recent times and the number of times we've looked at it and said he needs to make substitutions at half-time and probably say that that's a negative. I think tactically, it does look a bit all over the place at the moment. And um, 
although, you know, as you've both said, and I agree, it's not an injury crisis. The players that were very set in his system have been have been the ones that have had to come out. And I suppose that's why we've seen so much changeability in those uh, in those team selections. But uh, yeah, overall, you can't you can't really complain post post half time and, and after making those changes because his uh, his fullbacks did did really go on and and make a huge difference um, in that second half. But I just wonder if he needs to try and be a little bit more settled and maybe make some tweaks where people would have been would have been expecting them um, before now, rather than just sort of throwing in these random changes. I didn't really think it, it sounds strange now because they went on and turned the game around so late. But I actually thought again that the substitutions were were change were, were strange ones and maybe weren't um, the right decisions at times. So. I think it, it uh, in certain areas it was probably more luck than than judgment, but it's very difficult to sit here and criticise Wagner's Wagner's decisions um, after he's just just got a a first win in a really long time. Yeah, and and also the, as as I mentioned, I, th- I thought Adam Eder was 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 excellent. That was a really impactful substitution, and uh, probably probably does I, I guess beg the question as to why he he wasn't brought on at all against Blackburn in in that situation because he 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 looked incredibly sharp as as not just shown by the goal, but I felt he he really stretched Cardiff when they're in a pretty low block. He just just gave Norwich a little bit more space for John Rowe to get in, uh, on the ball in in between the. The, the lines in particular because of his his kind of impactful running and uh, and that was good and which is why I think Cardiff then got caught in two minds about their defensive line and and, and that's obviously um, why you saw people like Dimi Yanoulis who uh, was given onside I haven't seen it back but I think it, it looked quite tight but um, that was partly because of, of the threat that, that Adam Eder gave them I think going in the other direction just made them kind of drop off um, ever so slightly and obviously was was able to to score as well which is brilliant his his fifth goal of the season which is um is is certainly his best goal return for a little while i think um which probably paddy lends us nicely into the second part of the podcast which is going to be more about uh what's happened this week and i guess david wagner is is at the center of that and and his position let's let's start with with stuart weber and and bookend that because we we saw him at um at the end of the game very rare to see stuart weber on the pitch after a game i think the last time would have been at Villa Park after they won the title, and we saw saw those celebrations. I certainly can't um, remember a time of of him going onto the pitch. And um, before that, uh, he was um, there, sort of wandered out as the celebrations were taking place for the players in front of the supporters. There was a big embrace with with David Wagner, um, sort of uh, hugs and, and high fives exchanged with players as well as they were making their way towards the tunnel after sharing that moment with supporters. And then and then we saw this this guard of honour. Um, that, that the players and, and, and backroom team gave Stuart Webber to, to kind of, I guess, it was um, to, to send him on his way, I suppose. After, as of now, he's no, no longer Norwich City Sporting Director. That that um, that was kind of um, done and dusted with at, at the full-time whistle. What, what, what did you make of, of the scenes first and foremost? Because I guess we're, we're at a contrast here with maybe the external perception to the internal perception of, of Stuart Webber, because those two things are very, very different and have always been very, very different. We saw him release a, a, a very lengthy statement on, on Friday night, um, thanking everybody uh, really in, in, in the, behind the scenes and, and the supporters as well. I know there's been a bit made about him not going over to the supporters. I, I just don't see why he would really, if I'm honest. I think if he would have done, he would have been kind of maybe seen to be 
uh, I don't know, taking a bit of the limelight, but but also I think given the way that relationship has deteriorated as much or as late as last week against Blackburn, not sure why he, he would he would go over there and, and, and be seen to be trying to, I don't know, aggravate them or whatever. So don't really see that as a debate. But as a send-off for him, what, what, what did you make of it? Because I, I would say it's probably received a mixed reaction from, from Norwich City supporters. Well, I mean, I just your final comment now cuts to the perception of him with a lot of those same supporters, reporters maybe as well as supporters. But uh, I, I didn't have an issue with it at all. Um, and obviously, I'm detached in the sense that I'm not looking at it through the prism of a Norwich supporter and, and what he has or hasn't done for my club over six and a half years. Um, but on a human level, and and that that. What I would say is I didn't I didn't see any negativity around the, the reaction Friday evening onwards when that two thousand or so word farewell letter, which I'm led to believe he him said it wasn't you know put together for him and he put his name to the bottom of it. That was from him. The majority of that was constructed by him, and they were his thoughts and his feelings. And you know maybe in, in, maybe it jarred with that perception of him as being a bit of a you know antagonistic uh, character, uh, an abrasive character, and we've can quote back plenty of examples from the minute he walked through the door to you know very towards the end of this 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 tenure this year where he has robbed people up the wrong way and I, I felt in contrast that those words were you know self-aware admitted mistakes admitted he'd handled situations wrongly uh, or could have handled them better um, didn't get everything right but you you know we know all that um and you know this, for me, is it's not a black and white uh, debate around Stuart Webber at Norwich City because yes, um, I think most would agree from the sort of transfer window of 2021 onwards, which was the, the prior to the the second attempt at the Premier League, uh, it's been decline and it's been more bad decisions than good, and that's that's not an emotive uh, reaction. Just look at. Look at the windows in terms of recruitment. Look at the players they've signed. Look at the lack of resale value and the lack of impact on the pitch as a collective. Yes, one or two individuals maybe, but that hasn't worked. And, and, look, and then that's bled through to another wholly uncompetitive season of Premier League football. Then managerial changes, plural, and yet a mid-table finish last season and a kick-off yesterday, 17th in the division. Um, failure, abject failure. And he, as the footballing figurehead for the organisation, is ultimately responsible. The book stopped with him. So, yes, it, it's been pretty bad um, for for too long now. And that is true and, th- and that's irrefutable. But if that's been bad, then what was the period that delivered, you know, Farker and Farker ball and two, two titles? And, OK, that first Premier League season, I think you can mitigate it because they just financially didn't have a go, whether they, they made the decision they couldn't. But I think financially they wasn't in a position to have a go. And as a result... But even in that Premier League season, we had moments, didn't we? We had the Man City epic and, and you know, one or two other highlights as well. So, and then that was bookended, as I say, by another pretty dominant championship season, albeit a pandemic season and, and supporters didn't get to experience it in, in firsthand. But, you know, if, if what we've seen since 21 onwards is bad, what we saw, and even that first season, because it was part of the transition that led to 18-19, albeit it was a pretty poor season on the pitch that first season, but you can hook it into what, what it laid the foundations for. That was good. So, And he was the architect of that. He was the one who went out and handpicked Daniel Farker. He was the one who um, was keen on that 
defined clear identity and, and footballing philosophy, um, which Daniel Farker was able to implement. He was the one who drove giving youth a chance, maybe out of financial necessity. Um, and he was the one, in terms of recruitment, who got more right than wrong. You know, I was thinking about it this morning. I mean, the money he got for Josh Murphy, and I, I don't want to slight Josh Murphy, but where he, his career has gone since, the money he got on that deal to Cardiff. Jamal Lewis, what has he done since he left? Ben Godfrey, um, James Madison, and then, then the sell-on fee again. Um, you know, yes, you can stack up Omabama Daily underselling, Max Aaron's underselling, Todd Cantwell, let him go for a song. Um, uh, and, and and then that car crash of a, of a summer transfer window of 21, Rashid's Jolis, Sargent to an extent, Gibson maybe, uh, the money they paid for him, even Yanulis, the fee they paid for him. But this is what I'm saying. It isn't black and white, is it? The shades of grey and, 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 and can you take a detached view of it? And, and probably in the here and now, most people can't. And, and maybe that's why you know, wisely, he didn't wish to go over and acknowledge the supporters at Cardiff because I think it probably would have been a negative reaction. But, you know, I think with the passage of time, as Farker's legacy, um, the, the sharp focus of where he was poor and where he wasn't up to scratch, that recedes into the distance and we remember the good times. And that might be harder to do with Stuart Webber because of that abrasiveness and how he carried out, carried himself in many situations. But you cannot dispute that he, he brought an unbelievable journey for, for Norwich fans and some magical moments, magical memories, and they will live on um, as unfortunately will the negatives as well. But, uh, you know, as David Wagner said, I know I'd be inclined to agree, maybe his true legacy will be wrapped around Colney and that transformation of that facility with, with importantly, the caveat, if you can get now the right people in that academy set up mid to longer term who can use those leading facilities to actually develop talent who can then push through to Norwich's first team and then on maybe in terms of transfer resale value, that will be his abiding legacy. And and it was quite clear that that, that was, a, in the, for me anyway, in the last two years, his main motivation, that he wanted to leave that um, because that will be tangible and that if it's handled correctly and the right people are in that position within the football club to develop young talent, um, that will stand Norwich in good stead moving forward. And, uh, and But as I say, you know, that's only really going to be probably 5, 10, 15 years down the line. So it's very hard in the here and now to dispassionately look on Stuart Webber with anything other than probably disdain because it's at the minute, it's uh, where are they now in terms of the finances? Where are they now in terms of the squad? Where were they in 2017 when he walked through the door? And on those two metrics, they don't look palpably any further on, do they? because the balance sheet in the last set of accounts is horrendous um, and troubling, some of those figures, and the squad is ageing, you know, double figures of players 30 and over, and uncompetitive in terms of the last two, well, season and a half now of championship football. So it's a very conflicted jumble of strands you have to unpick if we're trying to assess Stuart Webber and his impact at Norwich. But, you know, be in no doubt, I think, as 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 time recedes, um, I think on balance for me, um, he did more good than harm. And, you know, that's probably my opinion. And you can dispute that and then quote quote back some of the negative elements of that. But but then, as I say, as I've tried to map out in this answer, there's a lot of positives that he was ultimately responsible for. So, you know, for me, the reaction in terms of players and coaching staff to him yesterday at the final whistle, for me, I think he deserved that. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's it's obviously an internal reflection, isn't it, on on what those players, all of whom were brought to the club by Stuart Webber and have worked with with, with Stuart Webber over however long they've been at a football club, felt. Um, and and I think actually in 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 football, and it happens with head coaches and managers, it happens with with most powerful people, owners, chief execs. I, I guess probably the most comparable thing is with politicians. It's very rare that uh, you you get someone who leaves without that feeling as obviously as Batman once said you either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain so it's it's kind of that kind of thing isn't it that's that's always the case with with football and as these things work the king is dead long live the king um the the new sporting director Ben Napper comes in on Monday Sam um before we get to anything else that's a hell of a rebase guy isn't it good, good luck fella <laughs> yeah I uh I, I fear for him a little bit uh, in terms of the the extent of the intray that he probably has to to now um, deal with and and speaking to um to fans again, there was an expectation that change was was going to come. Um, I think probably in that sense, they almost haven't helped themselves with bringing his start date forward. I think it was the right decision at the time, especially with um, how 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 toxic things have become and how much people wanted a decision but for me the main signal of that of saying of bringing Napa's um arrival forward is is basically saying somebody's coming in to to get rid of David Wagner quicker um because otherwise it's just going to be the same level of sort of assessment and uh, reception that probably there was going to be um on the 27th of November anyway so I think that that win probably buys him a little bit of time uh in that sense but yeah there is there is quite a lot for him to do and of course only Stuart Webber to measure him against because he's only the second sporting director that Norwich City um have ever had I think people will be looking at January obviously the 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 transfer window is the main area in which sporting directors seem to be assessed especially in the short term um but we haven't seen norwich do a lot of business in january previously i think the finances have dictated and will probably dictate again this season that they would struggle to spend any real significant uh sums of money so i think it may be quite a while until napa um is actually is actually able to really leave his his stamp on things and really make a mark uh, and, and make the changes required. You have to remember, Stuart Webber came in, I think, in, in an April. So it was one month of the season and then plenty of time before the next season started to get his new head coach in, get rid of a few players. I think he had some older players out of contract, which, to be fair, Napa has going in his favour if he wants to make changes next summer. But again, you know, still six or seven months until you can make uh, those changes. So the fact that he's come in really truly mid-season rather than right at the end of a season like Weber did probably means that even if he does want to make the sort of significant overhaul changes that uh, that that Weber did, it probably will take some time. I, I don't think he's been helped out, to be honest, by the actions of, of some of the people employing him in, in recent times. You know, I, I understand the sentiment of Delia and, and Michael calling David Wagner and giving him their support. I know that's the sort of personalities they are and I know they want to to help create a, a, a feeling of 
you know, almost comfort in, in a job and a feeling of uh, not necessarily being on the edge the whole time. They've obviously spoken to Wagner about understanding the injury situation and things like that, as he outlined in his pre-match press conference. But I think if you're Napa coming in, knowing that the owners of the company you're just about to start working for have basically come out in massive support for um, the head coach, then making a balanced uh, decision without considering those factors on whether David Wagner um, should be in the job or not really puts him in quite a difficult position. So I think there is, yeah, there's quite a lot for him to do and he's in quite a, a difficult position to do it for a little while. I know the way that things have been going this season, fans won't want to to wait any longer. Fans won't want to be patient, but you just look at the sorts of changes that a sporting director can actually make, bearing in mind they're not responsible for the performances of the players that are already in the building. They're responsible for putting the right players, you know, in that in that coach's hands. I don't really see what he can do majorly for, for a little while. Um, yeah, so I think it's a, a difficult one, really. Just to touch on Weber's legacy quickly, because I think it's it's an important point. I think probably complacency play, played a, a bigger part than than it should have done. I think you look at the first four years and it was all about change. I think he's admitted that that change management is a skill of his. But then when they lost sort of the, the key recruitment people and you look back at the likes of Greg Broughton and the players that he's obviously brought to the club. Kieran Scott, as we all know, was a, a major part of some of the significant signings they, they got in there. And most of those were internal appointments and internal promotions. And it just felt like a bit of a complacency that just, you know, just keep going and, and things will be will be fine as they are. And I think it was the same case last season. There was just this feeling around the club that, oh, they'll be fine. Norwich just get promoted out of the Championship. That's just what they do. And I think as soon as that sets in, Norwich were in trouble and, and the results sort of showed that. So hopefully Napa can avoid that. I think probably for the first couple of years, complacency isn't going to be an option because, you know, there are still going to be fears as soon as another result goes against Norwich. There will be talk of, of relegation to League One again. There will be concerns growing. And I think we spoke about it going into the game. They could go and, and win three three games in a row. As soon as they lose another one, um, those negatives will, will crop back up and those problems will come back up. So although I think it probably makes Napa's job a little bit easier in the short term, uh, that win over Cardiff, there is going to be big pressure on him um, before long. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how he handles that. But, you know, he hasn't caused any of the mess that Norwich are in at the moment. He goes in with a blank slate in terms of his own reputation at the club and probably that fresh start, even if it doesn't come in the form of the head coach for now, uh, is probably an exciting thing for Norwich fans at the moment. So, yes, there is plenty for him to do. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see how he does. Yeah, and I, I guess, Paddy, that, that probably leans us to, to the conversation about his first major decision, which will be on the, the head coach situation, as, as Sam has spoken about. Um Norwich City did win, and 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 that's incredibly positive. And uh, but it it is just one win, and you you could zoom out and wish to zoom out and say, well, it's two wins in it in eleven. It's fifteen in in forty games for for him as Norwich City head coach. Which obviously, as as we said last week, that's the number of games that he had in charge of both Schalke and of Young Boys. And it's it's worth adding as well. He has lost more games as Norwich City manager 
than he did at Schalke. Um, he's also won more as well. I think that I think that's 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 worth referencing. He he also has a, a higher win percentage um, at, at Norwich than, than he did at Schalke as well, where, where he went on that run of, of of one win in eighteen, I think it was, or maybe winless in, in eighteen. So. I think I think this maybe idea that uh, that Ben Napa will be reactionary and make any kind of decision based on what he saw or didn't see at Cardiff or um, what he did see or hasn't seen in recent weeks. You would like to think that that isn't the case. That there is either way, whichever way he goes, there is a real clear thought process and reasoning um, to which he can to, to, as to which why. And I think the position I'm in. And this is probably where it's difficult for him. And actually, I think if the game would have ended at 80 minutes yesterday and Norwich would have lost that game 2-1, then I think it would have probably been a pretty universal view from uh, as to what the decision was. So, so maybe there is a, a little bit of that. And equally, if they come back after the international break and they don't beat QPR, then much of the conversation is going to be about why the decision wasn't taken in the international break anyway. So, of course, he needs to look at the bigger picture. He needs to... And there are a lot of strands to this. There's obviously... The situation that Norwich find themselves in at the moment, they're still 16th in the championship. They're still six points off the top six. They're, um, as I said, they've they've won two games in in eleven. There's there's all of that. You you could obviously, um, you know, David Wagner would would want to throw in the mitigation around injuries. Um, but there's there's probably a bigger discussion to be had about what his vision is and what his um roadmap is. I guess to to, to bring success back to Norwich City and whether there's an alignment between what David Wagner is doing, and that could be in terms of the football that he's playing, the practices that he's instilling, um, the the work, I guess, more more broadly that he's doing, um, coupled with the direction of travel that Ben Napper wants to take it in. Are those things aligned? If that if they aren't, then realistically, probably a change is is required just in terms of, of direction of, of, of travel. And, and you don't want those two things kind of repelling each other, uh, I guess, in terms of how a head coach wants to work and how a sporting director sees the bigger picture. So, so many strands to this. Um, I, I, I was of the view, irrespective of what happened at Cardiff, I didn't see a change being made. That was just my view, not based on any kind of, uh, of fact. Um, I'm, I'm still of that view now. This could look really silly in, in 28 or 48 hours time. Where do you feel David Wagner is? And I guess more important than that, what's required right now for everybody, players, staff, fans, is clarity, isn't it? That's that's going to be the key of what of what Ben Napper has to bring in his opening days in post as Norwich City Sporting Director. Yeah, well, two things for me, and they are interlinked. One, nobody knows what Ben Napper is as a sporting director because he's never done the job. Um and even if you try and dig into how he operated at Arsenal, none of us really know because he was a pretty, um, you know, uh, behind-the-scenes type character by all, all you read and hear. Um, not not one who necessarily put themselves into sort of the spotlight to opine about what their view of football is and what have you. So, and then overlaying that, we don't actually know what type of character is. Is he... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll use him in a, in a positive fashion. Is he a McNally type character who would come in and uh, be quite ruthless uh, as he was in terms of changing the head coach um, and really, you know, dragging that football club or that iteration of the football club up by, you know, by the collar effectively? Um, or is he a more of a, a facilitator and, and somebody who wants to bring people with him um, and and wants to kind of, you know, move at a less confrontational pace. We just don't know in terms of what type of character is, his personal traits. That will all become clear as we move through and we start to see some of the decisions he makes and the impacts on individuals. 
So that's the first thing. Until we know that, I don't think you can definitively say how this will play out from here purely in terms of David Wagner. The other thing, and you touched on it, alignment. Well, even though he's been plugged in to the extent where he's been on phone calls, he's been in meetings, he was involved with with that board meeting on the Monday evening, which then produced the statement that David A was going to be in charge for Saturday's game, but B also that he was coming in earlier and Stuart was leaving. You know, we know because David Wagner volunteered it. He'd, he'd been in dialogue with Ben Napper uh, in recent days. Um, so he has been plugged in, but he hasn't physically been in the building. He starts officially from tomorrow onwards at Colney. So, and also it was sort of indicated to me on Saturday that, it, that it, it, in terms of not only just speaking and being involved with, with personnel in Norwich, he's actually doing a lot of due diligence. He's been speaking to a lot of agents, which obviously he would have a lot of good connections in terms of, you know, his role previously at Arsenal as a loans manager. He's speaking to lots of figures in the game to build up a picture of Norwich City and what they are and, and the characters within the mix here and how they operate and what the vibe is. But all of that is fine and that's all good base knowledge, but he actually needs to get in there. He needs to get in there physically, sit down with his characters, sit down with David Wagner and then we'll know if alignment is is there in terms of the head coach and him and for me that would dictate a period of time for him to make those decisions he's not going I don't see any scenario where he comes in on Monday morning and his first job is David come into my office sit down I'm sorry I've got some bad news because that that to me would be decision 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 making on the hoof because he hasn't had time to assess himself it's fine you can take all the soundings you want from external people you can get a sense from speaking to people in and around the football club as he has done. Um, but that's not his own eyes and ears and his own take on, on the situation um, by feeling it, by being part of it, by being immersed in it now at Colney uh, and Cairo, which he will be from Monday onwards. So all of that allied to the fact that we're now and have been for the last 50 odd minutes talking about a Norwich win uh, and positivity and optimism and, and some much needed good news around Norwich City affords him, I feel, a period of time where he will assess the situation because it would, it would seem for me quite strange for him to come in and immediately fire a head coach who he's, he's only really spoken to on the phone and maybe had a two-hour meeting about a month or so ago. So um, the fact that they now can have that space because they've had a positive result going into this international break, um, I'd be staggered if David Wagner isn't in charge for, for QPR. But... The point that Sam's made a few times on this podcast, you know, if results turn again and what we saw at Cardiff was just the briefest of interludes, then in very short order, uh, because this season is now up and running and and trends are getting set both at the top, the middle and the bottom end, worryingly. Norwich can't afford to, to, to sit on their hands as they did, unfortunately, with Dean Smith this time last year um, and have that sense of drift in terms of the head coach and the squad and the aims for the season because the season will be over uh, in, in, in an effective what can they achieve sense. It'll be about can they retain their status. Um, so I think he does have some space in which to to, to assess head coach primarily, but but the club more broadly and, and, the, and the football operation within the club. Um, but in very short order, once we get back up and running again from QPR onwards, the clock is ticking. Uh, and if the results go in a positive direction, then I think it rolls on for the foreseeable. If they don't, um, then a change will have to be made, and Ben Napper will be will be the one tasked with making that change. Yeah, and I think that's 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 effectively where where I am with it as well. If if I'm completely honest, I, I don't really see a situation, you know, and and I don't think, as Sam said earlier, he's he's necessarily been helped. It's obviously obvious why 
they 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 made the decision to move and bring him in, in quicker. But I think the the perception that that created was always coming in to, to sack David Wagner, which I don't think is necessarily a fair perception that's being created. I think it's probably just a, uh, an admission that the process and the vision and uh, view that Norwich City were without that footballing figurehead and that maybe there was a, a void in terms of decision making couldn't go on. I think that that was probably what more of the admission was rather than than, than a, a reflection on David Wagner because you're you're right, they could have taken that decision last week after a, a, a defeat, a fourth consecutive defeat against uh, against Blackburn in, in, in the way that they were and um, two weeks coupled with a win just buys them time I think but like you say that that decision is going to look um, incredibly shaky if they come up after the international break and they don't beat um, one of uh, at the moment one of the poorest teams in the division in QPR in their own backyard if they fail to do that then there's going to be a lot of people asking in hindsight why they didn't make this decision with all of the evidence that was available to them at the moment so um, time will tell I think but but I'm with you Paddy I think I think the most sensible thing and um, the the most obvious thing to me it feels like is, is is that this will this will continue and David Wagner will be in post for for QPR. Sam, are you are you kind of a of a of a similar view? Yeah, I I've, I think it's incredibly likely he's uh he's there for for QPR. But yeah, as you say, uh, it does leave them very very open. Given it's it's I think it's a, a good long while now until the next international break, isn't it? And we all know how how busy the the Christmas period is, they definitely leave themselves open. If they do keep him in post, which I expect they will, uh, they leave themselves open to some significant criticism uh, if if they then go and lose that QPR game as to why they wasted the best opportunity probably of the season uh, to, to go and do it. So, yeah, definitely a, a bit of a balancing act, but I would expect him to be in charge for that QPR game, yeah. Yes, um, it's it's uh, never never dull, and I don't I don't think it's going to be dull either. Um, Paddy, uh, just to to mention, uh, in in terms of Ben Napper himself, we're probably expecting to to hear from him this week. Probably, um, we'll, we'll obviously see how this pans out, and and you know events and, and and whatnot, and various different things. But the expectation is that we will see him in a, in a club setting answering questions. So I think. We probably won't have to wait too long until perhaps we get some answers, whether those answers are complete clarity in terms of uh, I'm off to appoint a new head coach or I'm sticking with the current head coach. I probably expect him to loiter somewhere in the middle and and, and maybe balance them or ride those two horses quite well. Um, but, But we should get some idea of him, his vision, where he wants the football club to go in the next week or so, which is probably some some long overdue answers from from supporters perspectives. Well, that is the expectation yeah, through club channels. Um, and um, y- yes, if if he's not asked about David and, and the situation there, you would you would be you would find that a little bit strange. Um, and okay, there might be only so much he can say, but but anything he says in that setting will because it's the first time uh, since he's officially took over as Norwich City Sporting Director that we'll have heard from him. So that will be quite a fascinating uh, sit down. Um, but yeah, and then thereafter, we'll probably get more of a little bit more of a sense about the type of character he is, and um, and what he's prioritising, and what he wants in terms of the mid to longer term for effectively Norwich City under his control. Indeed, and that seems like an apt place to leave it. Obviously, if uh, anything does happen, and, and I think we've all documented that we're not expecting that to be the case, then uh, we will reconvene and and uh, and we will uh, we will join you, lads. Any plans for the for the international break? Well, it's my 
uh, I'm off this week and a bit like Christian Fashnacht, it's my birthday. So uh, I won't be scoring a goal or uh, putting a corner a- across for Ryan Wintle, not on El Hernandez to score. But uh, yeah, back end of this week. So uh, if there's anybody out there who wants to send me any presents, just send them into uh, Prospect House, Ruan Road. Uh, I'm sure that's in our charter that we can accept gifts as long as it's not monetary, but obviously, you know, but uh, you know, any, any, any gifts you wish to send, uh, send them care is, of. Is, is there anything in particular you're, you're after in terms of gifts? What's uh, on the wish list? Uh, uh, nice pair of trainers. Yeah. That, that'd go down quite well. Yeah. Actually forget that. No, I don't, I don't want to be inundated with loads of trainers that are a, the wrong size. I think you'll be all right. If I'm honest. Yeah. I think I'll probably will as well. Yeah. <laughs> The only one, the only way I'm getting trained is if I physically go to a shop and buy some trainers. <laughs> no, my wife, but uh, I, I, I jest, of course. But uh, so yeah, so no, it's a very, very uh, painting. Got to do a bit. It's all coming to me now, Connor. I've got a bit of painting to do as well. Start of the week, um, bit of DIY at our abode. So um, yeah, bit of paint. If there's any painters out there who want to offer their services gratis, then definitely get in touch. But uh, yeah, so. I'm assuming it'll be fairly quiet, but uh, if not, I'm sure you boys will be more than uh, capable of handling it all. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, Sam, any any grand plans in the international break? Uh, I've got to go back to my parents uh, for a dentist appointment. That's as exciting as wow. it's going to get. Actually, rock, my, rock my, friend's, that. my friend's engagement party is uh, at some point in the international break, so there's that as well. But both, both in Wellingborough, so both incredibly exciting. But um, yeah, apart from that, I've, yeah, I just I don't make my life sound particularly exciting when you ask me about whether I've got any plans, Connor. So uh, yeah. next time, just just ask Paddy and then just just leave me, and they can. I'll have a a life of glamorous mystery for you know. For I, I want I want to know how you get a dentist appointment at the moment because I I, I certainly well. Can't. This is the thing, right? I've got, I have to travel like a hundred miles to to go and have a dentist appointment. There's no point trying to relocate to Norwich. So um. Yeah, that's that's the way that I do it by going to the same place I have since I was, I think about six. But yeah, have you got any exciting plans for the international? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, kind of talking of birthdays, you've got a, you've got a significant go. birthday. In South I, I have not not mine. My 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 little boy is uh, four in the in the second week of the international break, so I'll be uh, blowing up balloons. Can't tie them though. I can't tie balloons. It's a like it's a real problem for me. Um, so he's yeah, he's he's having a party, which is going to be traumatic i think chaotic but i'm I'm sure he very enjoyable um so yeah that, that's that's going to be the focus of the of the second week and then we'll be uh we'll be rolling on to to qpr which uh which will be really um really exciting so uh so yeah that's 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 about that's about my plan so uh yeah you're, you're off to enjoy your birthday for the first week and then i've got i've got the the, the second week so should be uh should be good but i think in general we're, we're probably all looking forward to a little bit of a break so uh that 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 will be nice and uh, as i said if anything happens which i'm not expecting it to be the case uh, the pink and channels are the best place to go that seems like an apt place to wrap up the pod we will obviously be back after the qpr game um hopefully talking about another norwich city win that would be very nice enjoy your fortnight of um norwich city freedom and uh, we'll see you again very very soon